Hello and welcome to Humans of Agape. We are Agape Europe, a community of people who make Jesus known so lives are changed and Europe is transformed. We want to bring spiritual hope and help to people from all walks of life. I am your host, my name is Jochen Geck. I work in the Berlin City Hub in Germany. And I'm curious to hear about what God is doing across Europe. So this is what this podcast is about. I interview people who are on staff with Agape and ask them about what God is doing in their lives and ministries. In today's episode, we're traveling to Dublin, Ireland to speak with Chloe Hannon. She shares with us about her addiction to talk about Jesus, how she brings him up in conversations and how people react. Here she is. Hello, Chloe. Greetings. How are you this fine day? I am doing very well, although it is less of a fine day in Dublin, Ireland. What kind of day is it? It's uh, grey. Grey and cold. Chloe, you mentioned Dublin, Ireland. What is it you do in Dublin, Ireland? Well, I live and work and play in Dublin, Ireland for the whole of my entire life so far. So I am working with Agape in the city of Dublin. Okay, and what is it you do with Agape in the city of Dublin? I am the National Campus Director, Q Trumpets. Wow, fancy. Yeah. Uh, what does a day or a week in the life of a National Campus Director look like? Never two the same, is what I would say. Um, I am... I, I tried to condense it down to one similar week would be hard, but majoritively, a lot of time with students, a lot of time with staff. Uh, we are a small ta staff team, so there are three of us. So um, my national campus director does not involve, for example, the use of an office ever. Um, I'm still very much so on the ground with students um, daily, which I love, to be honest, so... And then sometimes use my kitchen table or a Starbucks somewhere for uh, an office to do all the other tasks. Okay. And for all of us who aren't on staff with Agape and um, are probably not familiar with all the terms, how would you define the role of a National Campus Director? You are the team leader of the campus team on a national level. So um, you are... I, I guess on the cutting edge of developing strategy for the entire country for thinking through how to reach students across Ireland and then also um, being sure to lead the team well and take care of those who are on the team as well. That makes okay. sense? That does make sense. Good. So that, that is what you do in general? What's yeah. the, the Chloe approach to being a National Campus Director? It's a little bit surreal. <laughs> no. um, I'm a fan of surrealism. So uh, the Chloe approach to being a national campus director is, well, one of my top strengths is strategic. So I find I am often deeply thinking about the ways in which we operate as a campus ministry and how to sharpen them in terms of how to increase, increase our reach and then also how to effectively continue doing what we are doing. What are the tweaks that we can make? What are the different things that we could try in both evangelism and discipleship? And then I have a high priority of being sure that the lads who are on my team 
have a positive life experience of being a staff member of Agape. So they are well taken care of, they are well stewarded, they are well directed and well developed. So, yeah. Could you give a couple of examples of how you do that? Well, Ruth McNeil will love me forever right now, <laughs> but for example, having their POFO in, uh, we call, sorry, position focus, <laughs> focuses, foci. We call them POFOs because that's a cool word. Um, making sure that they know realistic expectation of their daily job because as a campus worker um, the the tasks never will fully ever get done in one week there will always be more to do there will always be more people to meet so um, promoting a healthy work-life balance for them um, we use the position focus to help focus their work and then also to help them think outside of work going okay how do I have a healthy life as well as a healthy work life and um, and then other things like leader development figuring out the next uh, appropriate challenge for them and how to draw out their skills and strengthen them and yeah how to support them then also in the daily grind of, of evangelism and discipleship and encourage them and yeah okay how big is your team there's three of us and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father so you yeah <laughs> very Trinitarian approach <laughs> um, tell me about Ireland and you said that you're the strategic mind yes what's the strategy for student ministry in Ireland well I could send you the entire strategic documents that I came up with that looks very pretty because I put really nice fonts and pictures into it but the basic strategy for us is that we want, we have three core convictions. Uh, firstly, we have the conviction um, that we believe every Irish student has the right to respond to the gospel of Jesus before they graduate from university. Secondly, we believe that there's a huge amount of misinformation out there about Jesus. And we will uncover that all the time through surveys and solarium on campuses when we talk to students who are culturally Christians and they will have an understanding of the things of God and they will be like oh yeah I believe in God because their their granny believes in God and but yet what when you ask them about Jesus they'll be like oh I don't know if he existed or oh he was just a good guy or so there's a, there's a, a lack of real information about who Jesus was and, and what he did and when you ask them what the core message of Jesus is over 75% will say the golden rule uh, which is do unto others as you would have them do unto yourself so we're quite passionate that the real message of Jesus um, gets some airplay in students' lives and also on a wider uh, platform in Irish society that that message uh, would would happen uh, to have a platform and would get to um, get some airplay, yeah. And then the, the last conviction we have is that the message of Jesus is that there is a God who created you and who loves you and wants to know you personally. So the strategy from there I mean, strategy on the ground changes so regularly. I feel like you have to 
you kind of fly by the seat of your pants a bit in student ministry because you're going into a term going, okay, we have some ideas of things we could do. And then you see what students are around and then you're constantly trying to transfer leadership over to them. So you want to facilitate their ideas and and encourage them to step up to their ideas and, and encourage their visions. So, um, but in my experience, if you walk up to a student, new student, and you give them a blank slate, it freaks them out a bit. So we have things in place that we can... Um, that work like a cycle. So we do the Camino in June uh, as a project. It's a walk in the north part of Spain. It's a, f- <clears throat> a relatively famous pilgrimage and certainly very well known in Ireland. And so students who've just finished their state examinations and are moving from what we call secondary school, what others may call high school, um, we we invite them to come on the project um, to to the Camino. Um, there is a culture here of many leaving Cert students, which is our state examination, uh, going off on big mad drinking holidays. So to offer an alternative is, is has been utilised by many. So then they we spend ten days on the Camino with them, and it's a magical pro- um, project. It's like nothing you've ever experienced um, for it for people experiencing the gospel and community and um, exercise, you know, it's very good for the, for the heart. And uh, then the next thing that we will put into our calendar, um, we will spend our August and September rallying in students, meeting up with them, um, inviting them to some social events. And our we have two events in the autumn that we we point students to. One of them is a retreat in Glendalough, and one which is a historical place in Wicklow, about an hour south of Dublin, beautiful setting, um, an old monastic site. And the second one, which is happening this weekend, is we all trek out to the west of Ireland to a place called La Hinch and go surfing. Oh, wow. Yes, you might think that's a bit mad now, surfing in October in Ireland, but we do it nonetheless. That is uh, courageous, I would say. Well, you... you I don't surf, I have to confess, you couldn't pay me enough money to get in the Irish Sea in October. But I love watching the students surf. You've been talking a lot about going away with students, mm-hmm. hiking, um, retreats and things. That probably is really important in terms of um, yeah, discipleship and really mm-hmm. getting into a relationship with them. Yes, Why is that such a such an important thing for you? Ireland has always been a deeply relational culture. Nothing happens uh, here without it being who you know. And um, when it comes to a topic like religion, there's a general sense of suspicion um, about in anything institutional. And anyone who claims faith can very easily be drafted into that suspicion. So we've noticed with students that they're just they're dying for community and they they want deep relationship and um and then through that relationship um you begin to you just see Jesus starting to move in their hearts and in their lives. And at every um, event that we do, we will always have um, a talk and discussion model of we'll have something, a a topic around the gospel. And we will, we also, all of our events are aimed at people, are not just aimed at Christians, they're aimed at people of all walks of faith and life. And very often we'll have a balance 
of some form with between people who are seeking, people who are just kind of staunch atheists, people who are like random people like Marxists all, or nihilists, all these different type of people, and then some Christians as well. And so we'll have somebody, generally speaking, a staff member, sometimes a student, give a talk about something about Jesus and some aspect of the gospel and then open it up for discussion with the students. So while they've had lots of time to effectively build relationship and have good crack, um, which is the Irish word for fun, not cocaine. <laughs> uh, um, then then they also get to have deep spiritual conversations. It works kind of twofold. It means that those who are seeking and those who want to have deep discussions about the questions of life feel welcomed and normalized in an environment where there are Christians. So we would fight quite hard to remove jargon and to remove anything that is a barrier and that um, anything that assumes, because I think as Christians, sometimes when we get together, we have certain markers of exclusion that are that are comforts for us. And then it is also a challenge for the Christian student, one, to be inviting their friends to something, two, to be having spiritual conversations with their friends, and three, when an opinion comes up that is not the prescribed ideal within a Christian culture, they have to learn how to respond in respect and to listen and to be able to articulate their response without overriding the the contrary opinion. And how do you teach that? Trial and error. (laughs) (laughs) There is an element of modeling from the front. um, And at every event, we will always talk about the values that we have, which are respect, questions, and crack. Again, emphasis on that not being cocaine. Um... And uh, and we'll and we'll say that you know respect is it starts when someone who has a different opinion to you, which can happen within within the culture of Christianity all the time. Anyway, if you want to have some discussion about the serious aspects of Christianity, not everybody believes the same things. So, um, and how to then articulate your opinion back? And so, and I have to say, I mean students like and people we we're generally good like we we don't set out to be super offensive to other people and we all have a basic desire of being listened to and being understood so when that starts happening within a room of students um it's lovely to see it you know it's very it's quite encouraging to see it and then yeah sort of grows yeah and i bet that's something that the students take back on campus too Yes, yes. So in the past, we have done, um, we want the events on campus to be led and and thought through by the students. So in the past, we've taken those type of discussions and done them on campus in events, like we called the first one we ever did. And this is going back about seven or eight years was called Explore Real Life. And similar sort of model, it was um, a talk that has been very well scoured for any form of jargon or assumptions um, and then discussion and then that grew into a thing called soul food which you know you put food on and students love it and soul food then has taken kind of different forms in the past couple of years of what that looks like it's happened in students apartments it's happened in public cafes it's happened in restaurants on the campus it's happened um, 
in in various different shapes and forms and um and with students leading it now let's talk a little bit about you chloe what is something that you are passionate about in your job in my job it's going to have to be summed up in jesus um because he is the passion of my life and has been for a very very long time since i was a little girl um and i would i i very often will introduce myself um and you know it's culturally normal to introduce yourself and say what you do is a job and i'm i enjoy that opportunity because not many people out there in the world will know what agape is so they'll be like what is that now and um and then i get a chance to to edge the conversation towards jesus so um i i think having conversations about jesus is just it's it's like it's like crack cocaine for me you know <laughs> so now you mean the crack that is cocaine yes i know there's been a theme in this conversation <laughs> cocaine <laughs> what but, uh, is cocaine and what is not <laughs> yes but uh, tell me why talking about jesus is like crack cocaine to you you know i could lend my hand in many situations in life i've seen different causes that are so worthwhile whether it's fighting for a voice for the voiceless whether it's advocating for uh, people whether it's trying to adopt social change and um, whether it's working on social just justice on a on a global level there's been numerous things that have consistently moved my heart and called out to my activist tendencies but when i sit and think about it all for me everything comes back to this one basic need that we have as humans and that is the need for jesus and the need for our father and the need for our creator and the purpose that we have all been given in creation to know him and um for me as i said strategic brain wise i'm like what well, this is the this is the baseline this is the the key point this is the catalytic change that has to happen this is the this is the one thing if you're sitting in front of a panel of buttons and there's one button that you can press it's the jesus button in people's lives you know and i love watching dear wonderful friends that i have who are incredibly adept and um wonderful at fighting social justice causes and for advocating for people and for voices giving voice to the voiceless and i celebrate their gifts and their callings in their life to go do that and it's a pleasure to be a part of that on a friendship and supporting level and for me um my gifting and the the strengths that i have in my life have make the most sense when i am in a conversation about jesus and being able to articulate clearly him and i come alive like i i guess it might be a little bit like i was on crack okay <laughs> <laughs> although no, i can't speak from experience on that so that's good but tell me about those gifting and strengths that come alive in a conversation about jesus well when a conversation about jesus you got to You know, one thing that Jesus did himself when he was on this earth and he did beautifully and modeled beautifully is that he met every single person where they're at. I love him for that. He didn't 
arrive to a conversation with a set agenda of principles that he needed to communicate and and desired outcomes you know <laughs> he really met each and every person where they're at and in Luke um, in the early chapter of Luke I think it's Luke chapter 2 um, Mary is talking to the to the priest there um, although I don't think they called themselves priest the rabbi and he said that the, one of the prophetic words over Jesus' life was that the hearts of men would be revealed and he went on in his ministry in his life to truly reveal the heart of the conversation with people. You see it in how he approached the woman at the well, in how he approached Pharisees, in how he approached the rich young ruler. Um, that rich young ruler, you know, he ran up and, and said, you know, what what do I have to do to be happy? You know, what do I have to do to live forever, basically? And Jesus responded, you know, why do you call me good? And in that one little flip of a conversation totally revealed the heart issue of that young man. And so something I think he has given a gift to me in is one discernment and two articulation. So very often can perceive what's going on at the heart of a situation with somebody. And then um, also I'm able to articulate God's heart to that person. And that takes lots of different forms and shapes and uh, roundabouts and swings and all those different things. But when I'm in a conversation and I know that the Spirit of God is moving in my heart and my mind and I'm seeing the effects in the person in front of me, I would say it's probably, you know, a thousand times better than crack cocaine. <laughs> Do you have an example of, uh, or a story of when that happened recently? Yeah, okay. So I was sitting with a student in a university in Dublin and she has been through a lot in the past couple of years. And at the point that I met her at this on this day was nearly was nearly going to cancel on me and 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 run and just and not want to do it and she sat and she was she was so angry, you know, and she was angry about a particular situation and, and um, and and something that somebody else had done and its effects on her, and I was able to to sit and receive the anger in the conversation, and while she was talking and while she was venting, to in the quiet moments just ask the ask God, okay, where do I go here? What is the key question, and what is the key thing that I need to see in this situation? Do I need to challenge her anger? Do I need to um, do I need to rebuff her anger? Do I need, you know, what do I need to do? And he just very clearly, you know, said, you need to acknowledge, acknowledge here. And, and when I, she was finished, I think she was expecting me to be like, stop being so petty or stop being this or whatever. But knowing the, what she'd been through up until this point, her anger was valid and good and honest And um, I find anger kind of scary because I'm a pacifist most of my life and I prefer to keep the peace everywhere I go. But in, instead, I was able to go, good, I'm really glad that you're angry about this. And that changed the whole conversation. It was just that one direction from Jesus to say, acknowledge. And, it, and, and she walked away in, in a different, in, <laughs> I saw it visibly change her. 
and uh, and that she would realize that you know there I think validation and acknowledgement is such a huge part of that human need of being understood and seen so that was that was a kind of an example he does that on a daily basis like just that sort of direction with people and is it often just a tiny whisper yeah or how does it happen yeah it's it's um recognizing his voice in the madness that goes on in my head and my heart i'm a big advocate for this with believers and with young believers and with students and with staff and with everybody is you know jesus said my my sheep know me and they hear my voice and he modeled a life on this earth of communion with the father that was not supposed to be unattainable or idealistic to us it was a model that was accessible and opened up and he spoke about his father with the familiarity that you and i would speak about with someone that we see every day and someone that we talk to every day and that communion with god is as open to us as it was to jesus and um i have had plenty of times you know where i will talk about hearing god and christians will look at me like i have three heads <laughs> and be like and i sometimes have downplayed it because i don't want to in ireland we have really very much so this culture where you you don't you you don't think too much of yourself like and you don't say anything that makes you seem like you're a bit up yourself that's not okay here so i've downplayed it um but it's something that i worked at developing it's some a skill that i died i developed it's not that i'm this super special human being with some sort of supernatural gift of hearing the voice of god i mean i am pretty special let's be honest <laughs> but um <laughs> but it's 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 a, it's like a skill that you develop you know the more that you get to know god the more you hear him and i would compare hearing his voice often like if you're sitting in a busy pub um in Dublin and uh, they get pretty noisy and somebody who I know say my mother walked in the door and she started talking immediately my ear above all the other noise would go oh what is my mother doing in a pub because that <laughs> is a rare occasion and um, because I know her because I've grown up with her voice and I recognize it there's a, something in my biology that recognizes her voice and similarly the more we get to know the lord and the more we spend time with him um and i remember really fighting throughout my 20s and uh, to really understand and engage and know the voice of god more and more and that's a good encouragement for all of us to like yeah. especially the last thing you mentioned that that's something you have to even though jesus talks about uh, his sheep knowing his voice and understanding it that that's uh, still a skill to develop and something mm. to to fight for and mm -hmm. then that in a way that that pays off in those conversations yeah and it's a hard fight these days there's a lot of voices coming at you all day long yeah you uh, brought us some genuinely irish examples there Uh, and uh, would you know it, you're the first Irish on this podcast. The first Irish. I mean, that's a great... Yes. It's a great word, the first Irish. Woohoo! Hopefully not the yeah. last. 
One question I've enjoyed asking uh, people from other European countries or countries that are part of Agape Europe is I genuinely believe that we can see traces of uh, who God is in our uh, different cultures and in different ways. So I would like to know from you, when you look at Irish culture, where do you see God in it? For me, it starts in the history of Irish culture. We have a well-known heritage of deep spiritual commitment to the gospel. And you may have heard of a, of a, of a man called St. Patrick who came here all those years ago. But the Irish people have always been deeply tribal and have had a, a deep instinct towards spirituality. And um, when the gospel uh, like rampaged wonderfully through our culture um, thousands of years ago, it um, became something that multiplied through art, through music and through um, a, a change the world attitude which what is what that generation, those generations in those times did. They, inst they instigated some of the first universities. In those universities, they multiplied and expressed the word of God through incredible art and music that still exists to this day. And then they took that to the world. And I still see that wonderful characteristic that I think is so god um, of of deep commit deep commitment to truth, the expression of it through music and art, and then the sending of that to the world through many different uh, ways. Still in Irish culture, we are still doing that, and we have we have changed the world in numerous times um, through different mediums. Uh, I've heard someone say that God invented whiskey so that the Irish wouldn't rule the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting way to put it. Um, so when you say that that's still happening, do you have more examples than whiskey? Sure. Well, I think it's probably more in secular culture that I still see it happening. Um, Irish people taking the global stage, both through the arts and through through music and through... through um, other mediums of art as well, also from a political stage and even in... Um, in science, there's many Irish scientists that are doing incredible things um, on a global stage. So um, the Irish have always had a world-changing attitude. Um, they've they've never they've never shied away from taking their place on a global stage and continue to do that. Talking about taking a stage, this is your chance now, Chloe, <laughs> to take this stage and share something with our listeners that you want them to take away from this interview from your pearls of wisdom maybe something to check out something to think of a question anything you want anything that i want the power is mine you have handed the scepter to me and i can point it to anything that i want to point to <gasps> where do i even start <laughs> There's so many things rushing through my brain right now. Um, okay, so if I was to take the stage of your listeners and I was to point them to one thing, there's always going to be, um, as Jesus said to Martha in the day where she was busily rushing around the kitchen, trying to take care of everybody, trying to provide for everybody, trying to do what they should, she, everyone should do. And in her view, Mary should have been doing. And that treadmill of should, I think, is um, 
active in every single person's life. And we love to hop on it and we love to go, well, I should be doing this. And we have these quite often unrealistic expectations of ourselves. And then we feel the unrealistic expectations of others and then we interpret them in weird ways and we can spend our days just on this crazy treadmill of what I should be doing and Jesus spoke very powerfully into Martha's treadmill of should that as um as as human beings we have this basic instinct to care for others and to be there for everybody and um I know particularly as a woman I'm very very motivated by um, this will make everyone else's life better, which I think is interestingly how Eve was first tempted in the garden. If you do this, everyone's life will be better. And this sort of idea of self-sacrifice is the utmost for ourselves. And the more we sacrifice of ourselves, the better humans we are being. Um, but Jesus advocated very strongly to Mary, um, as as to Martha, as Mary was sitting at his feet, he turned to Martha and said, one thing is needful. And he also very clearly elsewhere said, um, you know, love others as you love yourself, not love others instead of loving yourself. This has been a long process of learning this in my life, of how to have healthy boundaries, of how to recognize and attend to my own needs and of how to um, keep the one thing as needful. Um, and give space to that one thing that is needful. And guess what? That's Jesus. <gasps> Drop the mic. <laughs> wow. Yes. The good last words. The last words of Chloe Hannon. The last will and testament of Chloe Hannon. Well, I mean, if the last word you're ever going to say is uh, Jesus, I think you've done a good yeah. job. Yeah. Well, I agree. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. And, it was a delight uh, and a pleasure. Excellent. I uh, want to say God bless you and Thank have you. a great day. And you too. Enjoy Berlin. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. That was Chloe Hannon. She's Agape's National Campus Director in Ireland. If you have ideas for the perfect next guest or questions for this podcast, you can reach me at agape at agapeeurope.org. Other than that, you can also find Agape Europe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our website, agapeeurope.org. I'm Jochen Geck, and this is Humans of Agape. See you next time.